Welcome back to the Evolution of a Snake. I'm Zach. And I'm Madeline. And this is 2017 Part 1. I bet you thought that this was just going to be one part. Well, so did we until I got into writing the show notes and then I realized that there's actually a lot to cover. So Madeline, how would you describe this year in a word if you had to sum it up? Tumultuous. You like that word? You like that one? (laughs) I like that word. I like that word. I was going to say hibernation, but actually I'd say one of the main points of um, Taylor Swift revisionist history that we will discuss here is that no one physically saw her for a year. And that is just categorically and definitively a lie. (laughs) It wasn't even half a year. It was like a couple of months. But, you know, we're going to get all into that. So 2017, I mean, it starts as not not a great year for her. The, The cancellation has taken place. The election has taken place. People are still mad at her. We're still in full Taylor Swift is the devil and everything is wrong in the world is because of her. But, however, despite all of this, she is still slaying in her career because I Don't Want to Live Forever goes to number one on iTunes and it peaks at number two on the Billboard Hot 100. As far as I can tell, this song isn't owned by Big Machine because it was released on Republic, but you know I may be wrong about that. It's a co-write by Taylor, Jack Antonoff, and Sam Dew, and it was produced by Jack. Zayn, this is so interesting to me and I forgot about this and I remember going off on, on about this on Twitter when it happened, but Zayn kept trying to say that he wrote the song. And I was like, why lie? People still say that. Now people say that Taylor is refusing to give him writing credits. That's how they're framing it. <laughs> she just isn't doing it as if she's personally in control of, of what Apple Music lyrics say. You know what I mean? It's also such a Taylor Swift song. Like when you listen to the lyrics of it, it's very, to me, I know Madeline doesn't feel the same way. To me, this is kind of the start of the Reputation era sonically. It's darker. It's moodier. It's a little edgy. It's a little sexy. It's a little fatalistic. It's dramatic. And listen to Icarus Falls and tell me if it sounds like anything on that record. Hmm? Anybody? I don't think it does. Anybody? (laughs) I don't think it does. And this was her most streamed song for a while. And I think that was also because in her hiatus from the streaming services, it was one of the only songs that was available. But it has like a billion streams. This is a popular song. Allegedly, it wasn't so at Chicago Night 3. Or Night 2, excuse me. It was (laughs) not so. That was, if you don't know, that is a surprise song. That was our last surprise song that we got in Chicago was I Don't Want to Live Forever on the Piano. And let me tell you, you could have heard a pin drop in that stadium. People were not about it. They weren't. It was not as popular as it once was. They were more excited for You All Over Me than they were I Don't Want to Live Forever. And that kind of gagged me because I Don't Want to Live Forever. It has a video. It was a hit. But it also was in this kind of no man's land of her career, like when it came out. It was between records. It was when people were really not happy with her. Like it was commercially successful. But I guess if you want to talk about impact, staying power, I guess. It doesn't have it. It doesn't have it. It doesn't have it. It, that's all there is to it it doesn't have it and it's important to keep in mind as well that at the beginning of 2017 we are still not in the era of taylor swift on spotify this was like a hard time for me but i think i still had some music on like the regular music app on my phone so i just listened to it through there but this song was very well received critically i thought that the 50 shades partnership in hindsight was so odd it wasn't really like a brand safe partnership because Taylor like the closest she'd come to addressing sex 
which is what that movie is about. The closest she came to it was Wildest Dreams. And it was vague. I, You know, I don't think I've ever really thought and pondered the implications of Taylor putting herself on the Fifty Shades soundtrack. I mean, it was part of the canon. If you think about, like, Safe and Sound came out before Red, uh, Sweeter Than Fiction came out mm-hmm. before 1989. Oh, like, sure. she was always doing a soundtrack song before an era. But was Fifty Shades of Grey just the biggest thing? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Either. It's strange. It is strange to this day. I guess yeah. so. I guess it was just yeah. like the fucking thing at the moment. But it's, it's interesting because again, her address of sex had been his hands are in my hair, his clothes are in my room. They weren't his hands are in the red room grabbing a paddle. And <laughs> me on the that was not. No, we weren't there yet. That wasn't really her vibe. No, we weren't there yet. We're so close to it. So I don't close know if I've to ever, it, but not quite like, there yet. I asked myself, like, has Taylor read Fifty Shades or seen Fifty Shades? I could see her watching the movies. I could see her being. I've never seen yeah. them, so I don't. I don't have. As a writer, I would imagine that she thinks it's a little embarrassing. The song is well received critically, as I mentioned, which was kind of strange to me because everybody was hating on her. But she's also laying low this year, and as I mentioned at the top of this episode, a common misconception is that nobody physically saw me for a year. It was really only a couple of months. Around this time, she is pictured leaving the gym looking somber, and she's really dialed back her social media presence as well. This was definitely like a huge, this year was a huge shift in her approach to social media. She would later go on to wipe it and turn off comments permanently. I think that this was a real renegotiation in her mind of how she was going to interact with the public going forward. She was still trying to figure it out. So her Instagram is mostly devoted to throwback posts, a promotional shot of what seems to be Austin Swift's only acting appearance in a movie called Live by Night, starring Ben Affleck. Have you seen this movie? No, have you? Boo. Boo. No, tomato. I didn't even know it existed. Tomato. <laughs> tomato. Tomato. This was in Austin Swift's brief, like, kind of hot era. But hot you know, to who? He looks too much like. I wasn't to really there. Be hot. hot. Who? Ah, for a second, I was like, you know what? Oh. But I was also desperate. Oh. So. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Desperate and easy, but she is also promoting her friend's songs, Shape of You, As heard of it. needed promotion. Honestly, the success of that song mm-hmm. to this day shocks me, but good for him. Good for him. And it speaks for itself, I suppose. It is, it's a song. It's a song by, by an artist. Actually, artist is a strong word. It's a song by an AI chatbot. And Candy Burris. <laughs> <laughs> Famous co-writer and on- bedroom candy <laughs> yeah, on Ed Sheeran Shape of You. Love it. <laughs> bedroom candy and AI chatbot. Great job, guys. You, you are so talented. She tweets in support of the Women's March. She says, so much love, pride, and respect for those who marched. But not me. I'm on my jet. I'm proud to be a woman today and every day. Hashtag women's march. And immediately blowback because at this point anything it was such a charged time that it was like if you literally weren't in the streets protesting you were a trump supporter like it was that serious it really was that serious and she so she gets blowback immediately from this and i think you know actually to some extent that is kind of warranted a little bit after years of banging the drum on feminism and you know using it as like a tool to market her albums then being really quiet when it came to what seemed to be a very charged time politically and the pop culture landscape was like so newly infused with this charged political attitude and it was like like i said you were either loudly 
against the Trump regime, singing about it, writing about it, talking about it at award shows, or you were part of it. Taylor eventually figured this out two years into his presidency, but I'm kind of amazed that she held off for so long because people were mad. Well, and they were calling her the Aryan goddess. And she did send cease and desist. <laughs> but we, I feel to this day, we needed more than a cease and desist mm-hmm. about the mm. she's our Aryan goddess. For the Aryan yeah, princess that stuff. Was, yeah. She should have said a little something about that. To this day, I maintain. But I think it might be one of those things where you can't address the crazies. Like the people right. that are that crazy, you can't, you can't publicly address them. We know that. <laughs> Not on the same scale. <laughs> but we know yeah. when you give crazy an inch... Mm, mm, mm. they take a mile so the daily beast noted terrible journalistic enterprise writes a one of many taylor swift think pieces they call it taylor's spineless feminism and they called her the nation's most opportunistic celebrity which i found to be incredibly unfair um, you know, in this is literally amidst the reign of the Kardashians doing their promotional terrorism on the world. This is a flat tummy tea. This is Kylie Lip Kit. This is exploiting young girls' insecurities in order to make AliExpress products fly off the shelves. So to call her the nation's most opportunistic celebrity when there was a literal celebrity in the White House seemed a little out of touch. I mean, also, she never really did anything that opportunistic. The only thing she ever did was say girl power. That's really all she did. You guys, mm-hmm. that's all yeah. she ever did was say girl power, rock. <laughs> it's sexist when people say that I only write about boys. It's sexist. You guys are sexist. That's it. That was it. It never got any deeper than that. It might seem like it because everybody made such a big deal mm-hmm. about it at the time, but like, let me tell you. So it's like, it was really kind of a nasty comment and like also it's like i mean men are out here doing all kinds of shady shit all the time hopping on all kinds of gravy trains to appear like they're good guys like all the fucking time constantly and yet it's taylor but it's not surprising to me for the time period from whence it came they were cooking her like the thanksgiving turkey if they could find an excuse (laughs) they took it and people would just gobble that fucking shit up so it I mean, it's interesting how she can both be doing not enough and also doing too much. That was the criticism. Yep. That's something I think that she said a lot in the reputation uh, poems, which we will discuss at a later date, that she really just couldn't do anything right. It was like, you're too loud, you're too quiet, um, you know, and in sweet nothing, I'm just a little too soft for all of it. Like one person cannot bear all of these expectations and weights at the same time. But at this point, Taylor was, she was going through it. She would, there was no perspective to be found here. After this incredible piece of hit journalism, gotcha journalism, we get the I Don't Want to Live Forever music video, which drops on January 26th. And it is, I think, a very underrated visual of hers. It is really moody. It's darker. It's sexier. I love the glittery red lip. She's really giving it everything here. And I personally would have loved for this to be a visual for a little ditty, a song that you might be familiar with called Dress. It really is the start, as I mentioned earlier, of the reputation era and aesthetic. What did you think of the video? Well, I'll tell you something. It was not underrated on Tumblr.com. I'll tell you that right now. When it came out. <laughs> well, we had nothing, yeah. to be fair. We had nothing to work with. 
We had nothing to work I've, with. I have actually sat down and watched the entire video, like, maybe once. But I've seen, technically, because of, of GIFs on Tumblr.com, the entire thing, like, 6,000 times. Because the serve was present. I mean, I nobody can deny that. Even the greatest detractors of the song have to admit a look was present. She had her Pat McGrath lip lab on. And it was glimmering in the lights. You know, there is some incredibly awkward behind-the-scenes footage of Taylor and Zayn, and you can tell that these two people just do not fuck with each other. It's hilarious to me. It's especially hilarious. Like, I feel like they only ever really met or hung out, well, one could say because of Harry Styles as well, but more recently, in the times that we're in currently, probably because of Gigi, Miss Gigi Hadid. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I not best friends, but... You know what? Many such cases. <laughs> Many such cases. She, Many such cases. She probably had to be around him yep. a lot mm-hmm. with Gigi, yeah. I would think. And it's funny to me that she had had to be around him a lot and they still have this like, we just met energy with each other. And t- I think it's so obvious when Taylor doesn't get along with someone or like doesn't have a connection because she's so affable and like easy to get along with that when you see someone being awkward around her, it's like, damn. Well, it makes it all look very Zane is also like fake. he's he's super like weird um introverted and like kind of socially awkward so mm-hmm. i don't know but the opposite of our freak who will talk to literally anyone yeah. and everyone about yeah. anything <laughs> she she will do anything so after this there's about a week of radio silence from taylor which was to be fair revolutionary at the time we got no instagrams there's no sightings this is this this is the year that we didn't see her for yeah in taylor swift time seven days is one year meanwhile tom hiddleston gives a fairly embarrassing interview to gq as their cover star But, you know, we love Tom Hiddleston because being the class act getaway car driver that he is, he said only positive things about his relationship with Taylor. The general mood on that at the time, and correct me if I'm wrong, Madeline, was that it wasn't real, the relationship. It was a stunt. It was a PR thing. And the fact that it ended so soon was proof of that. But he said she was generous, kind, and lovely. And of course, that it was real. And he said, I have to be so psychologically strong about not letting other people's interpretations about my life affect my life. A relationship exists between two people. We will always know what it was. Ooh, girl, but I think you have different interpretations of that. The narratives that are out there altogether have been extrapolated from pictures that were taken without consent or permission, with no context. Nobody had the context for that story. And I'm still trying to work out a way of having a personal life and protecting it, but also without hiding. And then he's asked about, like, is Taylor very fake? Is she very calculating and he class act gentleman says i only know the woman i met she's incredible a relationship in the limelight always takes work a relationship in the limelight is a lot harder and it's not just that it's everything else because you have to fight for love you can't live in fear of what people might say you have to be true to yourself and then she body slammed him on her album not six months later she broke his heart because he was nice ever heard of it ever heard of it (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. She started up that getaway car. She said that she flew him around the world and let him think that he saved her. 
All right, so then we get into February of 2017, and we start this with the Super Bowl Saturday Night Show, and this was part of her short-lived and perplexing collaboration with AT&T Now. I wonder if they were, like, pissed about her cancellation affecting their partnership because her public visibility was, like, at an all-time low, and she wasn't really, like, all over socials the way she had been in the past. So I'm sure her, like, reach of people was smaller than it usually is. But do you remember this evening, Madeline? Because they live-streamed Oh, I remember it. And we were there. This was when people thought the new album was going to be called Roses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there was a woman, a reporter, this poor woman who we listened to for about three hours standing in I front of a wall of face. roses. Like, I can picture her. <laughs> she was talking shite. She was standing there and doing basically improv stand up while everybody heckled her ass online. Because she could see the comments, I'm pretty sure, because it was oh, a street. And every so often, she'd look at the screen and go, oh. And then <laughs> I didn't recover. The, the stream is like, kill yourself, bitch. Where's, Where's the album? album? Drop Where's, it now. Like, Shut Where's the, the announcement? Nobody cares about When's you. Taylor coming? She's like, Taylor's getting on a stage. She's not going to come and talk to you animals in the live stream oh, anytime soon. No. And she kept, but here was the thing about the flower wall that I remember is that she kept being like, look at our beautiful flower wall. Look at the flower wall as if mm-hmm. it meant something. This was even before the five holes of the fence. But we always thought shit like this that way meant that. something. So look at our beautiful wall. Meanwhile, she's just saying she's just that. Saying it's a beautiful she wall she ran of out of a script. It's a beautiful wall of flowers. She didn't know what to say. And she and, and was she no, wrong? it was gorgeous. But it meant nothing. <laughs> it was simply her backdrop. Yeah, it meant nothing. And I mean, it was kind of, I mean, I suppose it made sense at this point for us to be clamoring for an album because she had like cleared the two year mark that we had been very used to. The schedule had been disrupted. So I think we were all getting a little bit desperate to see what was going to come next, if anything, because it did seem for a little bit later on in this year, actually, that we weren't hundred percent sure if there was going to be a next thing, but there was a lot of clowning, lots of clowning going on this evening. I loved this performance. The full thing's on YouTube, which is great. I think missing a couple of songs, but I always love the album sets between tours because she usually breaks out a couple of like favorites that maybe wouldn't make it onto the tour because she doesn't have to play all the new stuff. So I'll go through the set list and then we can chat about it. She opened with New Romantics, Love, Slay, Absolute, Iconic, House Down Boots. Then she did 22, Blank Space, I Knew You Were Trouble, Style, I Don't Want to Live Forever, which the people knew. They did know it at that. They were screaming loud. They were singing along. You Belong With Me, the first time she ever performed it in a lower key, I believe. Or maybe that was the F1 performance. But, you know, she she, she can't do the notes anymore. This Is What You Came For, Cricket, Better Man, the live debut of that, Red, We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together, Love Story, All Too Well, Wildest Dreams, Bad Blood, Out of the Woods, and Shake It Off. I like this set. I really like this set, actually. Seeing her do Red without a guitar was interesting. Like, just having the handheld mic walk Yeah, it was really weird that she did Better Man. It's like, now why the hell did you do that? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Who (laughs) are you referring to? Because you do, this is what you came (laughs) for, and you do Better Man in the same night. I find that interesting. But, of course, back then, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't know these things. (laughs) They were kind of the new materials, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. She was certainly trying to reclaim this is what you came for in this year. She was like, I literally will not let you drag me. It's my It's like song. one of the only times that she's ever played it live, too. It's like very pointed. It was pointed. She said, that's my song. I wrote it. And you know what? It ain't that good. No, and it's... It, it well, ain't it was, that it was created good. to be a 
EDM dance song produced by Calvin Harris. That's what it was made to mm-hmm. be. So when you put it on a piano, it doesn't do anything for anybody. And Rihanna's not singing it, so who cares? Uh, no offense. But, it's the clown yeah. show. When the piano comes out, it's boring. It's not. Yeah, you're right. It's not a song that's made to be a song. Like the lyrics don't really mean anything. Everybody's watching her, but she's looking at you. It's ooh, a club ooh, banger. Ooh, ooh. I don't want to hear that over ooh, a piano ooh, chord. Ooh. No, thank you. Especially, no offense, again, nope. not from Taylor. No offense. <laughs> when you can't yeah. Do it. yeah. Yeah, people clamoring to have this on 1989 Taylor's version. I'm like, why? We didn't ask. Why? We didn't ask. It's not even, even as the Calvin Harris song, it's just okay to me. Like, it's fine. I, I don't return to it often. Mm. Uh, Calvin Harris has better songs. No, and it's like, I feel like the only reason anybody wants her to do it is so that she can, like, have it and own it. But it's like, now, shouldn't, I mean, shouldn't we be giving that to Rihanna, if anybody? I mean, does anybody think, oh, that's a Taylor Swift song? No! They say that is a Rihanna song. Only her. And frankly, if Rihanna had whipped that shit out at the Super Bowl, I would have clapped a little bit harder. I would (laughs) have. Me too. I remember we were all very excited about the Better Man performance, and it was good. She was giving vocals. She really was. And she did all too well. One of her first performances, I guess, where she, like, did it without being really sad, where, like, this is kind of when she had caught on finally that it was, like, a fan favorite and everybody wanted to hear it. And I liked the look. Oh, the look was great. That she wore. It was kind of like a long sleeve romper, black, very sexy, very reputation hair serving Serving. and i love it lip red and she (laughs) uh, lip hair flipped tossed no fuck ass Mm. bob detected Mm -mm. she Mm -mm. was Mm -mm. slimming she cryptically posts this select lyric from better man as an ig caption the bravest thing i ever did she needs to start doing this again so true doing this again i miss it i want till you put me down till you put me down i i want that fed me for years that and it's we still need it me. now. Give us one for Joseph. I mean, I guess you could argue the cryptic release of You're Losing Me well, was the tweet <laughs> heard around the world. It was the red rose the that century. grew up with no one around to tweet it, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's yep. still not on streaming. Well, also we had, this is the happiest I've ever been before I play question. That. That was. <laughs> that was. That, that kind of gagged. Catastrophic. She could have played a lot of different songs, but we moved on from that too soon. I fear. <laughs> we but did. Yeah, not in, not in this episode, unfortunately. But here's where the blackout really starts to begin on social media, at least right after the show. She only posts to congratulate Lord on green light, deserved, and Haim for want you back, and also for Selena Gomez fetish, all deserving accolades. How could you let those songs go by without saying clap, clap, clap? Uh, I mean, she, she did clapped for fetish said, louder than anybody. I, I know she did. You got a fetish for my Other than love. You. Oh, you still wait, clap for I'm fetish. clapping to this day. I love that song. Mm-hmm. I love Every fetish. Day. Yeah. Yep. You and Taylor both. And that's our right. But it's all quiet on the Western front now. She's not papped again until September. And keep in mind we're in what, April? What? Yeah. This is this is where the they didn't see me for a year nonsense starts. Really, it was like max max seven months and the cancellation period i think in hindsight was a lot shorter than it was depicted as being and it really didn't seem to have any sort of like business implications on her she didn't lose any partnerships her songs that she released intermittently did really well she was booked and busy if she wanted to be so it is interesting how the cancellation i think it was more psychologically Mm -hmm. damaging Mm -hmm. than it was 
like actually a knock on her career. But that's something that the Swifties want to act like she was begging for change with Demi Lovato doing revamped and the McDonald's. Can I get a Happy Meal, please? That wasn't the case. Mm -mm. It was not the case. They act like the Reputation Stadium tour was, you know, (laughs) that was never supposed to happen. That's kind of something I see all the time. They didn't know how successful it would be. Nobody knew. And it's like, some of us, some Everyone of knew. us knew. Some of us knew, and also, you know, the label knew because I don't think they would have let her put out an album and given her all the budget to do that video. Although, interesting, I think she did finance all her own videos, which is food for thought, really, in hindsight. Again, conversation for another day. But something that we do know that is going on behind the scenes in hindsight is that she is hiding out in London town, where she's more generally undisturbed by the paparazzi, and she is quietly gearing up for the David Mueller trial in August of 2016, which we will get into in depth later on. We got a couple of cute little videos for her AT&T partnership, such as the video of her revisiting the Love Story music video set with Andrea. Very cute. I love that video. Very Have cute. Oh, the dogs. Yeah. With them goddamn dogs. dogs. running, jumping. Those dogs are pure (laughs) fucking evil. I don't care who you are. I'm not about big, big dogs like that. Pure evil. You can see it in their eyes, too. (laughs) Pure evil. Horses. They're horses. They're not dogs. Write that down. They're not dogs. (laughs) I don't like those dogs at all. And before anybody calls me a dog hater, not true. I don't like horse dogs. Nova. Write that down. Nova is real. And maybe mm-hmm. she is sort mm-hmm. of at the bottom of the totem pole in the house, but she does exist. Mm-hmm. We are now in May, and the incredibly camp tabloid cover of Us Weekly called Why She Disappeared is released, and it says she's gearing up for a fall 2017 album release. This, to me, might be the beginning of her friendly relationship with them, where she like feeds them little morsels of information, because we know that Us Weekly gets the goddamn scoop. They don't always get a lot of information, but they get an exclusive and to that I say, thank you. I love it. And keep mm-hmm. coming. That I need a, co- a copy of that magazine. Why she like disappeared? It's at this point, I need to. Uh, own if I it. had yes, known I it. what it would be at the time, I remember it pissing me off. Frankly, um, I thought it was mm-hmm. a bunch of bullshit. <clears throat> I thought everything that everybody printed about her was a bunch of bullshit back then. But if I, if only I could go back yeah, in time, knowing everything. what I know now, that it was going to be this big deal, and she was going to copy it for the Reputation magazines, and it was like a piece of lore, I would have copped. But I didn't. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't cop yeah. it either. I, I Also, like you, a lot of people ask us, like, what was it like to be a fan in 2016, 2017? Bad. And for me, at least, it was, well, yes, it was very bad. And we also actively, me personally, I'm sure you did too, Madeline, I just didn't engage with any Taylor content that wasn't from her. Like, if there was a headline that said something about Taylor Swift, I was not reading it. I was not, uh, I, the only place where I found it to be safe to get any updates was T Swift and Z. They got <laughs> that, me through the no, drought. No, that is our. That's how, that's how I stayed. That is our safe space. T Swift and Z. That's our Reuters. I trust her yep, with that's our my Associated life. Press. She could say anything. I'm believing mm-hmm. it. She kept us going. She could start tweeting about like she was posting the photos of Taylor in the luggage, and we, we said she did that. She is are we said there she is she is our moses she has the 10 commandments etc mm-hmm. etc like i trust everything mm-hmm. she says her 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 information comes from a higher power so write that down it does, it does. that's a direct line yeah. to something yeah. sacred <laughs> and she has it 
And we cheered. We cheered. So that, I think that was kind of the dynamic. Tumblr was dead at this point. We'd all kind of migrated to Twitter, which was worse because then other fandoms could come and raid us and try and get us. And they did. They tried to come for us all the time, but we just tried to mind our business. You know, there were some things that seemed also at the time to be indefensible as well. So it was like, like, I'm not going to stand here and say that she shouldn't have, I don't know, spoken up a little bit more loudly before the election. I can't, like, there were things that was just not my business, you know? So I was trying to just mind my business. I was minding it my worked, business, too. It's like, that's not that's not something that I comment on. I don't know. I don't, I haven't heard of that. I don't know that. I'm minding my own. Thank you mm-hmm. for asking, but my publicist told me not to answer so any personal questions. I really questions, can't get into it right now. So anyway, <laughs> thank you for your concern. But our first Taylor sighting after the Super Bowl performance is in Nashville for a Mother's Day outing with Andrea. This is obviously a long lens shot taken from far away. Debunk. Nobody phys- the, the part that she really fucked herself on was nobody physically saw me for a year. That's the direct quote, and you're lying. <laughs> And I don't know why. I don't know why she insists on that. I think just because it sounds dramatic. But um, that's a physical sighting of Taylor Swift in May for you. There you go. Her with Andrea. Mother's Day. May 16th. The sun breaks the news that Taylor and Joe are dating. And I think this might have been likely around the time that a little ditty called Dancing With Our Hands Tied, heard of it, was being written, I suppose. And the way that this article is written is so shady. I love it. The global superstar is besotted with 26-year-old Joe Alwyn, a rising star of Hollywood who lives with his mom and dad. And they just let that land, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Just let it rock. A rising star. And he's still referred to as a rising star six years later. The star hasn't risen. The star is never going to rise. Especially not now. Never beating the gravity allegations. Mm-mm. Not now. Not now. Also, he looks bad. It's like he can't even be a hunky Hollywood hero anymore. But they confirm also that Taylor has been spending a lot of time in London. The Sun also gets scoops from time to time, which explains why, she, I think it's a UK publication too, why she hasn't been papped. And they go on to say that Taylor's been going out in disguise. And we know that to be true because we've seen many a picture of her in a wig, a pink wig. And the source added that Taylor has flown in via private jets and her security has made it a military-like mission to prevent her from being seen. So, I mean, ain't that the way? That's just how the, that's how they roll in the Swift She camp. attempted. Military-like she, she operation. She attempted to not be seen physically for a year. And, and she, she failed. she failed miserably. <laughs> Through no fault of her own. She yes, failed We have to admit it, but. The news, the news starts trickling in through the tabloids over the following days. E! News reports this. They say, Taylor went to great lengths, and this is an exclusive, to keep their relationship private and out of the spotlight while she and Alwyn have been getting to know one another, our insider explains. She made several trips to see him, but always flies in and out on a private jet and has been flying into small and remote airports. The source added, if she was seen in England, she made sure everyone thought it was a work trip. Now, what, what were you working what on? What have you been working on? Who's and who working? saw you? Working on what? <laughs> Karma, the lost album. That's what she was working on. Karma. According to everyone. I don't want to live forever. What's supposed to be on Karma? (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so the, they go on to say that Taylor and Joe have really tried to be on lockdown. That's a word that I never want to hear again and have spent most of their time together in private locations where they could get to know each other without the pressure of a public relationship and people making judgment calls. And that was the root of all the evil in their relationship. Because if you get to know Taylor Swift in private, you're literally only getting to know 10% of her and that 10% of her is only going to be available to you about 10% of the time. If you get to know Taylor Swift without knowing her as Taylor Swift, you're under a false impression. Very true. And, and he, was. he was, let me tell you. So on May 19th, Katy Perry releases Swish Swish, which was her response to Bad Blood, which, as we all know, was an intergalactic flop, eh. featuring lyrics, lyrical highlights, <laughs> such as, you're a joker. I'm a courtside killing queen. She also calls Taylor an old coupon expired. And she said, karma's not a liar. She keeps receipts. And remember that. that, that maybe that was on the Lost it. Album. Ever think of that? <laughs> <laughs> the Lost Album, Karma, featuring Katy Perry on Swish Swish Bitch. Swish Swish. Also important mm. to note, <laughs> Nicki Minaj famously played both sides. She performed Bad Blood on stage with Miss Taylor Swift at the VMAs and then went on to feature in Swish Swish with Katy Perry. That's called, that's called, I mean, that's on some Rihanna shit. Switzerland. She didn't give a fuck. That's diplomacy. She could not have cared less. She said, I'm taking my checks. Ms. Perry, you'd like me to come and give a verse to your flop song? No problem. Ms. Taylor, you want me to beat the racist allegations by bringing, by coming on stage with you? Sure. What do you think of this song, Madeline? When you heard it, I lulled. Um, so my I was scared. First I was scared for the rebuttal. And oh, then we didn't need to we there it. was no <laughs> I mean uh but I my favorite swish swish lore is her SNL performance of it. That really put into perspective how ridiculous the song was. She performed in a referee's outfit. I assume because she was a courtside killer queen, whatever that means. She's in her referee's outfit and she had her short hair at this time. So it really was giving Ellen in a way that we didn't anticipate. A way you don't want to give Ellen. It wasn't giving Mm -mm. I'm competing with the sexy supermodels in the Bad Blood music video. It was not giving that in any way, shape or form. And that's also when they had the backpack kid flossing. I believe that was my first encounter with flossing. So Swiss Swiss has that going for it. They they kind of like brought that was my only encounter <laughs> brought with flossing. flossing to the mainstream. Um, incredible, well, incredible song, incredible song. It just did it. You know, it did things that I didn't think songs could do. You know, flop, embarrass, humiliate, tank. Do they know tank a career? What do they know? I just remember her saying that into the microphone. <laughs> do they know? What do they know? It's like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Literally, Katie was actually having a nervous breakdown at the time, I well, think. So she did that whole That's what I was just about like, to bring up. That, and it was so strange. That was You can't crazy. be doing that stuff, Katie. That was you crazy. cannot let the public into Mm-mm. the home, into the mind, for more than like a couple hours. And she was on there. Was it 24 hours? No. It was like three days. It was a long time. It was like the lead up to the song, that, to the release of the album. GIF, because we were a witness. Okay, I get it. And then there's that gif of her eating popcorn, just like staring blankly. <laughs> Which, relatable. They filmed her sleeping. Sleeping. Queen. 
we got to do something else. You're so rich. You don't need to be doing and that. And that couldn't sell the record. We I know. had her on smack That's, that's what made Witness such a flaw. They couldn't get it. Mm-hmm. That's what made it even worse. I don't have anything worse. to say about that. I don't have anything to say about that. That's- it was chronicled in real time. <laughs> on Jimmy Fallon, she described Swish Swish as an anthem for anyone who is being held down by someone who is trying to bully you. She's talking about this song like it's fucking perfect by Pink. It's swish, swish, bish. (laughs) (laughs) Another one in the casket. Uh, Another one. Can't touch this. (laughs) Can't touch this. (laughs) That's so good. You know what? It's so good that it's, I'm speechless. It's It's a who says. I love it. It's a who says by Selena (laughs) Gomez. I love it. It is. is. According to her, this was Heal the World by Michael Jackson. (laughs) that that's make it a better place so james corden then very directly addresses the beef in his carpool karaoke episode with her he literally says it's obvious there's a beef between you and taylor and he gives katie the chance to respond now katie had the fucking layup of the century okay taylor's career was at like her public reputation was at an all-time low everybody was already believing that she was a vindictive calculating manipulative bitch all katie had to do was just And she fumbled the bag, as she so often does. She said, there's a situation, and she started it, and it's time for her to finish it. She confirmed the rumors that their feud started over backup dancers that performed in both Taylor and Katie's tours. Stop lying, both of you. Enough with the lies. Uh, You know what? Actually, maybe it, it did start because of that. Sure, maybe that was the the ignition of the conflict. But the beating heart of that, the pulse of that was something deeper. And it was in the shape of a John Mayer. But she said, it's backing dancers. It's so crazy. Well, karaoke was the perfect time to bring that up. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic. I'm being ser- sarcastic. <laughs> to be a serious conversation <laughs> about your beef. Let's do it in let's, between let's me pretending about, to be the referee. Let's talk about John Mayer's, John Mayer's abuse. Let's talk about that, Katie. <laughs> She says, yes, it's about backing dancers, and it's so crazy. So there's three backing dancers on her tour, and they asked me before they went on her tour if they could go. And I said, of course, I'm not on a record cycle right now, but I will be in probably a year. So put a 30-day contingency in your contract so you can get out if you want to join me when I go back. Katie said that when the dancers did that, they were fired. That's a different story to what Taylor would say. Taylor's presentation of this was that they were poached by Katie and taken back. There was no mention of Taylor actually firing them. Um, so that's that was an interesting misalignment. I mean, obviously, they're both going to paint this situation to look positive in it, but interesting. I tried to talk to her about it, and she wouldn't speak to me. That's classic Taylor when she's mad. She will not talk to you. It was a full shutdown, and then she writes a song about me, and I'm like, okay. I remember this so clearly. I'm like, okay, cool, 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 cool. Like, she says it like she is literally a fucking cuckoo bird. Cool, 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 cool. That's how you want to deal with it? Karma. <laughs> That is, how, that is literally how she did it. And James Corden is sat He's there not. not realizing that because he just did that, he will never, ever have Taylor Swift on carpool karaoke. Did she do it? I, 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 I feel that she wouldn't have done it anyway, to be fair, at this mm-hmm. point. But Well, all the girls were doing it. Well, all the girls, all the girls do all it. kinds Brittany of stuff. did it. Taylor doesn't do stuff like that any any longer. I mean, is she going to go on hot ones? 
No, they beg, they clamor, they oh, plead. But um, mm-hmm. James Gordon certainly didn't make it any easier, I can tell you that. Uh, she then said that she would be happy for the feud to be over, although she hinted that she may forgive, but she never forgets. What I want to say is that I'm ready for this BS to be done. Now, there is a law of cause and effect. You do something, there's going to be a reaction. And trust me, daddy, there's going to be Daddy! It's all about karma, right? Everything she said in this year was humiliating. It was giving hello fellow kids every day. Who's daddy? She referred to Taylor <laughs> Swift as daddy. And trust me, daddy, <laughs> karma is coming faster than you know. I, I can't. It literally makes me want to crawl out of my skin. It's so embarrassing. After that, after her threatening her, she says she wants to see women divided and not hating each other. She said, I think personally, women together, not divided, none of this petty bullshit, women together, will heal the world. Well, you still wrote Swish Swish. You still wrote Swish Swish. You're not any better than her because you still did the same thing she did. Nice try. Nice try. And Swish Swish is so much worse than bad blood. That's the problem with a clapback. You have to make sure it's better than what you're clapping back at. So when did, and And also when did, when did karma ever actually get her? Swish Swish, I'll tell you what, did not affect Anything, not like what Bad Blood did to Katie. I can tell you that. I can tell you that. Oh, also the only person that was negatively affected by Swish Swish was the Swisher. Was the Swisher herself. The the Swisher and not the Swishy. Mm -mm. She put herself, another one, into the casket. And, you know, that's that's amore. That's amore. (laughs) That's, That's... That's the way the world goes. So many things to unpack here, but this whole episode is really a masterclass in the unknowable and foreboding force of Te Voodoo. Because again, Taylor didn't even need to respond to this. Katie made a response and pwned herself. Like it, the, the album flopped. It, and she's <laughs> it never been back. Big. And she's never been back, really. No, she really hasn't. She actually hasn't. So then we go into June, and this is album release month for Katie. Uh, And this is also, coincidentally, the first time that Joe and Taylor are pictured in the same image. And it comes from another invasive Zoom lens. This time they're having coffee on her balcony in Nashville. Uh, Is it a coincidence that these emergences and tabloid stories start happening right as Katie's gearing up for the witness launch? I mean... While Katie is on a live stream eating popcorn <laughs> and sleeping... Crying. Taylor is... Not understanding physics. Yeah, Taylor is um, on a balcony enjoying her coffee. Sipping wine in the bathtub. So she also speaks again out against the snake in an interview with NME on the eve of witness. James Corden makes me and the whole world feel very safe. She says, speak for yourself. I have never once felt safe in the presence of James Corden. When have Corden. you ever been in his presence? No one has you've asked me with, about You've been with him? Zach, his, Zach has- His digital Zach presence. Has... <laughs> his, his, aura. his aura. He jumps into my home whenever I see him on my screen. No one has asked me about my side of the story. Yes, they have several times. And there are three sides of every story. One, two, and the truth. It means it's difficult to be a Katie Cat and a Swifty. Isn't that against the message of fan group unity she recently posted? The, this is the journalist interjecting. I said that, but I mean, I'm not Buddha. Things irritate me. I wish that I could turn out the other cheek every single time, but I'm also not a pushover, you know, especially when someone tries to assassinate my character with little girls. That's so messed up. That's such an interesting way to frame what Taylor did. And I guess it's true. She did try to assassinate her character with little girls. She did. She tried to, she tried to <laughs> abduct the Katie cats from kindergarten. She did. 
<laughs> she literally did. And beat them and do water torture and manipulate yep. them into MK yep. Ultra. She was like, you are Swifty. <laughs> That's you what she was depicting Katie. on in the Look What You Made Me Do video. When she, those, all those little dolls, they used that, to be girls. They used to be just little girls. And now they are simply dolls in the Swifty machine. And literally the night that Witness drops, Taylor Nation does Pearl Harbor in the form of a notes app apology format. Congratulations, Taylor. Officially 100 million song certifications. In celebration of 1989 selling over 10 million albums worldwide and the RIAA's 100 million song certification announcement, Taylor wants to thank her fans by making her entire back catalog available to all streaming services tonight at midnight. I remember when this happened. She... I remember when this happened. <laughs> Believe me, I was there. I was there when the towers Wind fell. in my hair. When the towers fell, I was there. Uh, and I remember this was during a period of time where I felt like I had to defend. I had to stand my ground. Oh, I said she, she didn't did. do she this. She did not do that on purpose. Why would never. she do that? She would never do anything Why like would she that? do that? But a lot of She's too a mature. lot of things she was accused of during this time. I remember one of the most heinous things that I think she was accused of was November 11th, which is when she released Reputation is incidentally the same day that Kanye West's mother died. That Nobody yeah. knows that outside of like deep deep Kanye West fandom. I thought it was really Taylor doesn't Taylor, know Nobody that. knows that. Nope, that is not as a pure coincidence. But releasing the entire back catalog on the same day as Witness, that was just good, clean fun. <laughs> not that coincidence. That was just good, clean that fun. Was just... That was just girls being girls. I, I don't see, you know what? It was. It was a girly thing, if, and there was nothing to do better than revenge. Witness was going to get all these streams anyway. I mean. Exactly. Let's call it what it is. You cannot blame Taylor for Witness flopping. Witness flopped because Witness was destined to flop. It was a bad record. But it was a big deal for Taylor to release her back catalog after years upon years of music has value and being so like stick up her ass about it. There's just no reason why it had to be this day other than Katie, I hate you. And when she said in the lover era that she wrote a lot of discarded think pieces during her downtime, I'm sure she was talking about something around this Oh, I'm time. sure she was. Oh, to look in her trash can and see those crumpled up pieces of paper. <laughs> I would pay a lot of money. I want to read. Let me read, baby. I want to read. So on his first day of being on streaming, 1989, a two almost two-year-old album at this point, or three-year-old album, gets 1.6 million streams, and the brand new album, Witness from Katy Perry, gets 1 million streams. No comment. No comment. <laughs> I have nothing to say to that. <laughs> My publicist told me not to answer personal questions. During the chaotic Witness live stream with Ariana Huffington, why the fuck was she there? Katie says she's ready to move on and let it go that she forgives her and hopes that she can be forgiven too. Too late to save the record. And she is too wearing too late like, to stop the voodoo. Her, like polar express. The Tay voodoo. Like, fucking striped pajamas. I can see this also <laughs> clearly. Why why did she do that? I don't have she didn't wear I need to see I it again. I need to watch some of it again. I think I'm going to do that after we leave cuz that I haven't thought about that in a long time. <laughs> I had to blanket from my mind. It humiliated me. <laughs> So then it becomes July, and we are on 4th of July watch. Do you remember this, Madeline? Oh, yeah. It was high oh, alert. Yeah. The whole of Twitter was waiting to see what blow-up slide she would have and what misstep she would make. And, you know, everybody thought that she would be obtuse enough to do a 4th of July celebration in the political climate. And she made the right call. 
never to do these ostentatious Independence Day parties during the Trump administration, especially when she was at this point an unknown party loyalist. But there were a lot of people waiting to see. There were fucking choppers flying over her house trying to get photos of it. She wasn't even there. She wasn't even there. It was probably the stalker that swam over rocking alone in her house. He was the one having the 4th of July party, not her. But Vanity Fair wrote a non-malicious think piece that I think kind of sums up what was so fascinating about these parties because before they were cringe, we were obsessed, as we mentioned. Like, it was so cool to see, like, which celebrities were there, the coordinated Instagram posts. Like, it was genius guerrilla marketing. The Tame America equation is simple but potent. Add up all of these famous people's social media followings and then multiply by the power of holy hell. Those two hang out. It's fascinating fun to try and figure out what the hell Uzo and Esty from Haim talked about or wonder what was running through Ryan Reynolds' mind during every waking moment. And if so many famous women and men, but mostly women, aren't fascinating to you, then at the very least they're inescapable. Most casual celebrity parties are private affairs and escape from the camera, but photos of this annual tradition fly free and unencumbered. It's not the Oscars or the Grammys. It's not Paris Fashion Week. It's a glorified BBQ. It's hanging out, albeit in matching bathing suits and onesies. The last time we saw a hodgepodge of celebrities goofing around in one place was the 2012 video of Justin Bieber and his friends at house at his house dancing to call Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe. That was highly orchestrated, and Swift part and Swift's party is too, but the overall effect of both is just some normal house party. Good, clean fun, and a lot of it. That's a quote. Good, clean fun. And I mean, people. And and it was. and it was. It's so funny. I, I remember when we talked about Tay America during 2016. It's like I completely <laughs> wiped that word from my mind. I was reminded to me only when we talked about 2016. I had completely forgotten about that. I had completely erased most of the 4th of July parties from my mind because <clears throat> at some point, probably around the Trump administration, yes, I was like, why did we allow that to transpire, A? And B, not only did we allow it, but we clapped like a bunch of seals. We clapped oh, like yeah, we seals. Loved it. For we said, yes. It was different yeah, then. It was different then. It was, it was different. different. It was different yep. then. We didn't. We we hadn't quite had the the culture shift of eat the rich. We still haven't had that. But like, there's at least there's some hatred brewing, and we love to see it because the rich people. Well, be Ryan dead. Reynolds should not be. Just kidding. I think he should. I'm not gonna. Who's Who's wondering what's going through his mind? Also, I'm not no, wondering what's going through his mind. There's nothing in shit. there. It's a I want to know what Taylor. Weed. I want to know what Taylor Swift is cooking. I don't care about what's going through his mind. I want to know what's on the goddamn menu. What genius Ina Garten recipe is she whipping up today? Can we focus on the star? So after the 4th of July watch, they were getting to the end of July now. Joe and Taylor are spotted, I guess, for the first time properly, like actually papped at her apartment a few days later. And it's all, I mean, all the pat pictures of them together are basically like, don't look at me. He's like yanking her by the hand and dragging her inside. Um, so I guess a lot of their, their relationship must have been kind of boring at this time. It literally is just like hanging around the house. That's all they could do was like go to Taylor's different, beautiful, elaborate houses and like be kind of like comfortable prisoners there. That is a false pretense to start a relationship in. It really is. That's not a real realistic depiction of what their life was going to be like well, it was probably hot stuff we can't deny it <laughs> they were probably doing you well what are you gonna do what? when you got nowhere to go <laughs> yep. they were probably having well, the time they're in the bathtub their fucking lives spilling wine in the bathtub the proof is in the pudding she was getting dicked down. So, oh, okay this is a really hard transition now we get into august and we're going to the david mueller trial 
So, <laughs> what a horrible I, 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 That was bad. Um, <laughs> that was bad. That was, that was really tasteless. bad. We apologize. We're going to have to dial that back. Taylor, tasteless, not intended, no, 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 not no, intended. No, no. Taylor and Joe are seen papped together, and then we get into the sexual assault trial with David Mueller and Taylor Swift in August, and she is in Nashville for this trial. So I'll give you a little bit of like background and context. We go pretty in-depth into this because I feel like the particulars are actually like kind of interesting. Uh, but he is the former radio DJ who groped Taylor beneath her skirt during a meet and greet on the Red Tour. He sued her for damages. That's the most fuck all of this entire situation is that this was not a case. Like Taylor didn't initiate any litigation from this man. She didn't even, I don't think, like sue him for anything. He is suing her for damages because he got fired for what he did, basically. And he said that he couldn't find work after her team reported the incident to his company. A lot of people forget that this trial was not initiated by her. And I thought this was extremely audacious and disgusting. And it was also in the run-up to what would become a fully-fledged social movement in the Me Too moment of October 2017, literally two months away. And the topic of sexual assault in its various complex forms was definitely a topic that was at the top of public consciousness. And I feel like Taylor's trial actually really helped shift the needle on like our perception of what sexual assault is and how it's like a scale. And it's not like you don't have to be raped to be sexually assaulted. Like there can be other manifestations of that, of people violating your bodily autonomy. And I think that something that that trial really did was kind of raise, raise more awareness to the nuances of those instances, those like, for lack of a better word, gray areas where it's very easy to assign blame to the person who has been assaulted. Um, so I think that her engaging in this trial and saying that she was going to symbolically counter sue him to make her point for battery and sexual assault with a symbolic $1 in damage, in damages. Um, Madeline, do you have any like preliminary thoughts before we get into About the About the sexual assault trial? Um... Mm-hmm. I often try to remember the climate, not even just, like, with Me Too and everything, um, but, like, with the way that she was perceived. I feel like I've read in the notes that you said, like, oh, people were generally supportive. That's not my memory. My memory... Mm, Interesting. My memory is that because it was her and because of, like, how... To some people, um, minuscule the event could be to some. There was a lot of clowning on it, I remember. And I remember people didn't realize that she's not the one who was suing him in the first place. And they thought that she was suing yes. for a great deal of money. They called her greedy, opportunistic. That's what mm-hmm. I, I... But in my to, to be fair, I could be only remembering the bad stuff because I feel like I remember I wanted people to stop talking about it because all it did was make things worse all the yeah. time. That That's what I remember is that I didn't think of it as this great moment where, Oh, me too. And like that and the other thing. No, they it was keep your name, keep her name. You out remember your mouth, basically. Um, they did a cover on it. I think it was time. Yes, and she the was the on year. the cover. So to me, and they didn't want her on the mm-hmm. cover. And they were like, why is she there? She, the, her stories, and no. et cetera, et cetera. That's what I remember. So t- to me, the entire trial from start to finish was, was just negative and bad. And nobody really supported her. And I, and I, and I, um, yeah. it was, it was 
pretty upsetting. So I was like, who? Yes. Who are these people that are going, yes? It was very yes. upsetting. Yes, I was like, that wasn't. I mean, I, yeah. I was it, not on my TL. I'll, I'll, I'll give a response to that. So I think that I agree with you. The, the Stan Twitter response was pretty negative. But like, as you said, for anything Taylor related, it was all negative. I guess what I was, when I was going through and like looking at my sources, I was trying to see like, what was the media coverage of this, right? Because the media was the one that was starting these narratives and creating these conversations. So I, I really, I mined hard for a lot of like pieces from the likes of Jezebel, et cetera, of um, people trying to critique her for this um, endeavor. But I think that all in all, the media coverage of it was quite respectful of Taylor and also picked up on the fact that she was making a point. So there wasn't a lot of like, because for example, like there are other things that happened to her that were like bad, like the, the snake gate stuff. Um, she was not given any grace by the media for that. She was a conniving bitch. She was a white supremacist. She was all of those things when when that happened to her. But I, I did notice a change in tenor from the media when this happened. And I think it was because there was a wider media class reckoning with the sexual assault kind of theme and motif but i agree with you 100 percent that like there it actually took a long time for the general public conversations about taylor to change pitch like i would say even through the reputation tour it still was like people looking for reasons for her to be opportunistic and you know, well, she, I, I mean, mean they, they put her on the cover, like, whether you like it or not. They thought that she was important enough to the movement that they put her ass on the fucking cover. So, um, and I agree. I agree that she was because the, the high profile nature of this case and the intricacies of what what it was about, I think, really was important. And I guess that's a good segue. We can just like get into exactly like what happened and what the points being made were. Um, so I will start with like going back and breaking down the offending incident, the response, and then how the trial came around. So on June 2nd, 2013, during the Red Tour, Taylor had a pre-concert meet and greet hosted by Kygo Radio at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. Multiple fans and staff of the radio station were in attendance and guests had the opportunity to meet Taylor and take photos with her. At this gathering, Swift was photographed alongside David Mueller, who was employed by the station at the time, and his then-girlfriend, who was also a station employee. Swift later claimed that Mueller touched her inappropriately under her skirt during the photo taking. Right after they left the room, she promptly informed her mother, tour manager, the event photographer, and her security personnel about the incident. Subsequent to her disclosure of this information, her security team confronted Mueller backstage, accusing him of improper conduct. He was escorted out of the concert venue, and the radio station was informed of the matter, as they should be. He's literally, like, representing the company in front of, like, one of their basically what is one of their biggest clients, like people that brings money into their station. Um, and following an internal investigation, they decided to terminate his employment. His response to this was in September 2015, he initiated a defamation lawsuit against Taylor, asserting that he had never inappropriately touched her beneath her skirt. And he argued that due to these false accusations, he was unfairly terminated, suffered damage to his reputation, and was unjustifiably barred from any future events featuring Taylor Swift. The lawsuit read, the claim that Mr. Mueller lifted Taylor's skirt and groped her in the presence of his girlfriend, Swift's photographer, and her professional security staff during a corporate-sponsored VIP backstage meeting is baseless, especially since the photo shows Miss Skirt's uh, Miss Swift's skirt is not lifted by his hand. He was seeking $3 million for lost earnings, noting that his annual salary at the radio station was $150,000 and radio careers can last over two decades. In his legal action, he admitted that Taylor Swift had been assaulted. That was interesting to that me. That was a that weird I detail. I was like, wait, now you're just blaming it on somebody else? <laughs> 
Yeah. So how do you know right. that? How if it's if it's that? so impossible to tell whether you did it or not, how can you be so certain it was someone else? He said that she mistakenly attributed the act to him and it was really another employee. Talk about throwing someone under the bus. That is like your colleague of all people being like, actually, no, you did the sexual assault. He's like, why wasn't he in the room? <laughs> this guy is a fool. <laughs> what the fuck? This guy is He's a, a dick. Snake. And he argued... He argued that it was a case of misidentification by by Taylor Swift and her team. So this is where the gaslighting begins. And I think this is how a lot of sexual assault trials go. It's that minute picking apart of your story and trying to make you question your version of events, which is so disgusting. Mm-hmm. And he does a lot of that in yeah. his like a defense and questioning of Taylor later on. His lawsuit also implicated Frank Bell, the Kygo Promotions Director, and Andrea Swift, Taylor's mother. And the next month, she launched a countersuit for battery and assault. And in her legal documents, she stated unequivocally that Mueller was the person who had improperly touched her. The suit also highlighted that Mueller hadn't been employed in radio since May 2006 and had been let go from two prior radio station jobs. She called for a a jury trial and pledged to donate the financial gains from the case to charities focused on preventing sexual violence against women. You know, so, something that it was a nasty really layup. kind of shocks me about the case every time I think about it is, like, to grab a woman like that and then demand money from her has got to be one of the most gross, evil fucking things on the face of the planet. Like, I can't even wrap my brain around the audacity to do something like that. It's, it's deplorable. It's so fucking... And and it that which is a part of the reason why it was so upsetting to me that everybody or at, at least like on Stan Twitter and like whatever the beehive or whatever was dunking on her for this is like can you even imagine what that would be like to be assaulted by somebody and then they're demanding money from you like that I. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I feel like people didn't even look no. into the facts of, of the matter and like read into what it was about. They just saw it was they her. They automatically assumed yeah. that Taylor, well, this also tied in with another misogynistic kind of more meta narrative in the media that Taylor plays the victim. That right. leads perfectly into Mueller's right. argument that she is always making stuff up and she wants to be the victim. I that Actually, now that you mention it, that's something I saw a lot of on the internet. It was, oh, no surprise. She's the, playing the victim. The, 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 the fragile white girl. Yes. Yeah, she's she's taking attention away from the real victims. Right. That's something yeah. else that I remember, which is just appalling. There's no point right. in in litigating who's more of a mm-hmm. victim than another mm-hmm. person. I hate the oppression Olympics. It's so pointless. Yep. So on July 26th, she provided her deposition and successfully requested that a meet and greet 2013 photo, the photo, the offending photo, be sealed by the court, although it was later hideously leaked by TMZ. In her testimony, she clearly recounted the incident, stating that he deliberately raised his hand beneath her dress and groped her, emphasizing her certainty that it was intentional. On May 31st of this year, the judge declared that the case would go to trial. And then in July, he penalized Mueller before the trial started for the destruction of crucial evidence. He disclosed in his deposition that he had submitted only truncated audio files from his two-hour discussion with, um, I guess, a, a witness or a source recorded on the on his phone. He attributed the loss of this evidence to uh, a, an accident where he spilled coffee on his laptop keyboard and disposed of the m- misplaced electronic devices. Clown. Girl. Clown. You're spending all this money to act the fool mm-hmm. in Boo-boo front of the world. The fool. Front and center. Take 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 the mic. You you thought that Miss Millions and her legal team was gonna let you get away with that? Mm-mm. No, 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 no. no sir. 
So then the trial begins. Something that I thought was really sweet about the trial was the like employees in the office building next to the court would do those post-it oh, note messages yeah. every day. Being like, I remember that. Love you, yeah. Taylor. Like we stand with Taylor. Loved that. That was really sweet. Um, so the next day in court, attorneys for both Swift and Mueller presented their opening arguments. Her uh, Taylor's lawyer, Douglas Baldridge, began by framing Taylor's legal battle as a broader stand for all women and characterizing the incident as a blatant case of workplace assault. In contrast, Mueller's lawyer, Babe McFarland, flop name if I've ever heard one. That sounds like <laughs> she a sounds porn star. Like, oh, like a, a 1970s Babe porn McFarland. star. <laughs> <laughs> She, you know, you know, she got that fair false yeah. hair. Argued that Mueller had never inappropriately touched Taylor, and that the allegations had shattered his dream job. After the opening remarks, Mueller took the stand, asserting that his hand accidentally made contact with what he believed were Swift's ribs. I thought you didn't touch her at all. Clown. The hmm. entire Clown. thing Clown is dumb. a circus. Clown. Clowndom. On, on August 9th, Andrea Swift, and Andrea, I believe, was still sick at this time, so this must have been very taxing and stressful for her. She testified, painting a vivid picture of her visceral reaction to the incident. She recalled feeling nauseated when her daughter informed her of the event, saying that the photo itself was a silent testimony to her daughter's discomfort. And it is. It if is. If you've seen that photo, yep. I don't suggest you seek no. it out, but if you've seen it, you can yeah. tell. The following day, Taylor provided her own compelling testimony without her mother present in the courtroom. I think Andrea just like couldn't hear it again. She spoke for nearly an hour describing the contact as a definite and very long grab. When pressed by Mueller's attorney about her feelings on Mueller losing his job, she offered a resolute response, insisting it was his actions, not hers, that led to his unemployment. Spanked him. Queendom. 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 Queen. So with witnesses continued to stream to the stand in the subsequent days on august 11th stephanie simbeck the photographer who captured the moment re recounted her observations the day after her former bodyguard also testified his former girlfriend admitted she had not been monitoring the, the placement of his hands and described the snapshot moment as fleeting so on august 12th Judge Martinez threw out Mueller's $3 million claim against Swift, citing a lack of concrete evidence to suggest Swift was directly responsible for his job loss. The trial reached its climax on August 14th. After impassioned closing arguments from both legal teams, the jury took several hours to deliberate, and the final verdict found Mueller guilty of assaulting Taylor during the 2013 meet and greet. The jury awarded her a symbolic $1, while also ruling that Andrea Swift and Frank Bell were not responsible for his employment termination either. And you know how he gave that dollar to her? Huh. A coin. Wow. Pig behavior <laughs> extends farther Pig than you know. behavior. Wow. So now you're unemployed forever. Before you were just accused of sexual assault. Now you're guilty. So you're basically unemployable. <laughs> and we cheered. And we cheered. <laughs> and we, and we, we fucking cheered. Fucking and you cheered. spent all that money. Mm -hmm. despicable behavior and you spill coffee on your laptop ruined idiot, a perfectly good laptop clown. you know what you are you're a clown <laughs> dumb ass <laughs> mm -hmm. this this also just shows like i don't know the gall that men have the, well, the well, 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 ability that they have to think they can get away with this stuff it, i i and this is very unusual. It's very unusual for a jury to side with a woman on a case, especially something like this, where it's, you know, it can be uh, like there's no direct right. evidence of it happening. It's circumstantial at best. So I think. Well, I think he was helped you know, quite a bit by the fact that definitely, he was a fucking clown. Like a, a, most of that yeah. is just clowndom. 
his behavior was the yeah. clowndom. Yeah, that was that was yeah. the problem. But I did think, you know, with those su- those supportive messages and the media write ups, I did think this was the first time we saw the public rallying around her in any kind of support, like even having a little bit after a couple of years. And her testimony was so powerful. And I think that our cultural language around like sexual assault, microaggressions and things that aren't rape, but are sexual assault became more robust. And Taylor's testimony, I think really depicts that shift in the rhetoric. She was um, not allowing them to interfere with her timeline of events. She was not letting them uh, twist her words or place the blame back onto her. And she was being very combative against the implications that she could have done something to prevent it. So I thought we would, you know, read some of the greatest hits McFarland suggested that Swift could have taken a break from her concert meet and greet if she was so shaken up by the assault. She previously said she was distressed by the incident, but carried on because she didn't want to upset her fans. If you know Taylor, you know that to be fucking true. Her reply to this was, your client could have taken a normal photo of me. Bang, roasted. McFarland noted that Swift is actually closer to Mueller's girlfriend in the photo. Presumably the point of this was to imply that she could have been confused about which hand grabbed her backside. She replied, yes, and she did not have her hand on my ass. (laughs) Believe it or not. (laughs) Queen. McFarland suggested Swift's bodyguard could have intervened if a sexual assault did occur. Vogue reports that the lawyers then asked Taylor if she was critical of him for not preventing the incident. And she said, I'm critical of your client sticking his hand under my skirt and grabbing my ass. She got him absolutely. Taylor knows how to spin a narrative. You can't spin a narrative on on Taylor. She is an excellent witness. She knows what happened. She's the mastermind. She she is she's only cryptic and machiavellian because she cares mcfarland argued that there isn't anything visibly inappropriate happening in the photo swift's reply gabe this is a photo of him <laughs> this is a photo of him with his hand up my skirt with his hand the on my first ass. name you can ask me a million the first questions. name yeah, gabe. <laughs> gabe literally <laughs> i'm never going to say anything different and i never have said anything different slam dunk body slam people died McFarland argued Swift's skirt showed no signs of disrupt of disruptment. This is the most iconic one. Swift's reply: Because my ass is located on the back of my body. Heard of it? <laughs> Heard of it? Heard of it? Heard of an ass? According to Rolling Stone, at one point Mueller himself stated, "My hand came into contact with part of her body. I felt what appeared to be a rib cage or a rib, and it went behind her, and her hand or arm went behind my arm." Swift's reply: He did not touch my rib. He did not touch my hand. He grabbed my bare ass. She said, I've mm-hmm. had enough. She said, I've had enough. She said, I've had, I've had enough. Enough. I've had enough. And then one of the final questions was if she had any feelings about Mueller losing his job because of the incident. She said, I'm not going to let you or your client make me feel in any way that this is my fault. Here we are years later, and I'm being blamed for the unfortunate events of his life that are a product of his decisions, not mine. The queendom of Gagged that. them. This is the silliest. This is the <laughs> absolute them. silliest thing we've ever done. Reading her <laughs> court testimony <laughs> and going, boots, gagged, weak. <laughs> House, down, yeah. slay, clean, bodied. <laughs> yeah. That's the most evolution yep. of a snake thing ever to do. <laughs> well, we had to do it. Do you remember the courtroom sketches? They didn't look like I liked them. The artist was drawing I found someone them, else. I found them moving. I remember them. I've, I've, because they're Miss Americana too, obviously. She looked like a very. And by the way, I she love. Looked, she was very p- pouty. My favorite 
um, scene in Miss Americana is the scene where they show the courtroom sketches and they talk about the sexual assault trial. Powerful stuff. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. Absolutely obsessed. Yes. So I and like also her. watching watching Andrea get upset about it too. Yeah. Beautiful moment to see. It clearly distressed her a lot. Yeah. Clearly, this took a huge toll. Obviously, as it would on anyone mother and their child um but i think that slate's coverage of the trial sums up what i was saying earlier about the media's interpretation of the impact of her testimony swift sharp testimony is a very visible condemnation of the of that common turn in cases like these that's an important message for women who may find themselves in swift's position someday and maybe even more so for the men who'll be called on to support or rebuff them and yeah I mean, there were the naysayers that said she wasn't a perfect victim, not a real survivor, et cetera. But we will, I suppose, get more into that in 2017 part two when we discuss the Time magazine cover in December because there's a brief intermission in this very serious, serious affair to unleash one of the greatest things that's ever happened in the history of mankind. And the girls aren't ready. The girls aren't ready. Viewer beware. We're not ready. You're in for a scare. And that only I'm wearing my goose. If you can't see it, goosebumps, slappy. Never heard of it. Enter Very at your own reputation. risk to the next episode. And if you don't get why this is rep coded, then you mm-hmm. don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. <laughs> you you are now entering the snake the snake den. Yep. And sometimes you get bit. So get used to it. So Karma. enter at your own risk. I'm obsessed with <laughs> Literally, that. Karma. Get used to it. <laughs> it's like smacking a fly. Karma. <laughs> karma <laughs> that to to me again we've talked about the katie perry thing a lot and i usually do land on the side of like taylor is was wrong for doing that and she was but revisiting yeah this, that that was the way that katie handled it just had me she crying. wasn't up to the task like if i think about it side by side no. the way that taylor um dominated <laughs> and katie floundered <laughs> like it wasn't a fair fight it was cruel it was cruel it was wrong. It was a, a grown adult it was punching beating down. a child, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Katie Katie did not come prepared for that at all. <laughs> it was Nicki Minaj versus Taylor, except Taylor was Nicki Minaj yep. and Katie was Taylor. Mm-hmm. It wasn't right. She wasn't, wasn't ready. Right. I misunderstood and I misspoke. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. The hell you did. That's the one and only time Taylor's ever really been bodied like that. And it was fast. And, and she she backpedaled. She was like, and neither will she. She like got slapped. Oh, yeah. oh, backpedaled, backpedaled. <laughs> you reel that right back in. Oh god, that's one of my favorite yeah. things. Oh. That's that really is. It just... wasn't funny at the time. Oh, it gets me today, every time. Today I smile. No, today I smile. She nearly died. She nearly died. She almost lost it. That it was, was almost curtains. That was for the her. start of the end. Whenever I think that about was worse than snake things gate. starting to go downhill for, for Taylor, everybody always talks about, you know, yes. Kanye. I'm talking right. about that. Nikki. That's when people started the to DMAs. say, Hold on. <laughs> Who is Barb this voodoo. dumb little bitch? Barb yep, Barb Voodoo. <laughs> Barb Voodoo. Actually, I would believe in that. I would believe in that if I really. Oh, I believe it. Barb Voodoo is I so real. I would we never don't ever discuss. say anything about Nicki Minaj negatively no. in public. Mm-mm. I I would never. Mm-mm. I love Nicki Minaj. I love her. Rapper Great, of all time. Queen. Uh, no comment. Who I don't know Queen, who she's Queen. married to. I don't know anything about love that. Her. Who? I'm, no, a I'm a Barb. 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 And uh, you can never accuse me of not being a Barb. I'm a Barb for life. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I wish you. I could have this Barbie for life. Literally, for life. I'm a Barb. <laughs> Thank you. 
Well, I think that's enough yep. clowning today. You know what we didn't do at the beginning of the episode that I guess we should do now is tell everyone, if you're listening, if you've been waiting for an update to the yearly format and you've been wondering where we are, you can always find us behind the paywall. Patreon.com slash We have to shake the cup. We didn't shake the cup. That's embarrassing. Oh, the cup. Clangity clang. Clangity clang. Bar soap. Please put money in our commissary so that we can access. We got to put a pack of cigarettes, peanut butter. I need. We need these things. I need shampoo. It's dire. Patreon.com slash astrologist, please. And also, we have another thing to talk about, which is the goddamn lizard review oh my gosh i cannot believe yeah so um (laughs) i cannot believe we did not bring this up at all so yeah so i recently launched um uh a project a tank an aquarium (laughs) where you can the the link for it i always neglect to say is the lizardreview.substack.com um so i started a substack where i talk about all kinds of different music occasionally i do talk about taylor so if you're interested in that that's always a little bit that's always free if you pay um a little a small fee for my cigarettes (laughs) you can and my rocks and my crickets etc etc you can have (laughs) access to a whole host of things i do um I do reviews of new releases. I do reviews of, I do retrospectives of old things. It's only the second week, so we're still kind of chugging along, but it's going really good. So if you're interested in that, if you like talking about music, check out thelizardreview.substack.com. Thank you. And she's got an excellent review of Guts. Yes, up right of course, now. Guts is the latest thing. It's the latest thing. So the Swiftologist had to act. And so did the lizard. So we both mm-hmm. have, we both have, um, <laughs> yep, we're both out here run, just run, run. hammering away. Living it up, being living, living our lives. What can I say? I'm loving it. Living, I am living la vida. Unfortunately, I'm living. I'm having a good time. (laughs) Is it embarrassing? Living, no, la Livia. I'm no longer embarrassed. I turned it up. Not embarrassed. I'm purple. Love is embarrassing. I'm 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 Mm -hmm. I'm purple. That's all there is to it. I'm purple. Me too. I'm Baruch Asal. I'm blowing up the size of a blueberry (laughs) baby, and I'm rolling down with the Oompa Loompas. On that note, I think we're we, we are ready yeah. to rock and wrap it up. And we will see you. The next time we'll see you realistically will be in next month's Taylor Talk. So chat to you then. Otherwise, you can hear from us like next week, the week after, whenever, when we're on fucking Discord, Patreon, YouTube, Lizard yep, Blog, like where else you can have so much of this. So come and get it. Nah, 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 nah. Oh.